0: Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host,
1: Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by the author of I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following, written by John Rennie. John, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, it's great to be here, Zach.
1: Now, thank you for your time. Thank you for cutting out a window for me to jump, you know, and pick some of your brain and on leadership and what it is you have going on. I know you're a busy man, and for those who don't know, John is a former submarine officer. He was the missile officer on his last boat. We can call it a boat, not a ship, because yes. it does go under. Yes. You know. And after retiring from military service, serving as an officer on submarines, he decided to become a CEO of his own business. So we're going to talk leadership. We're going to talk the military versus the civilian side of the house or the private sector. And we're going to talk about lessons learned over his seven deployments. So with that, John, is there anything I missed?
0: <laughs> no, I think you hit it pretty good. I also do a podcast as well called Deep Leadership, where I interview entrepreneurs, leaders, and try to pick their brains what, what, makes, a, what makes a great leader. And uh, so I think there's a lot of bad bosses in this world. And so my, my passion, my desire is to see better bosses. And so we use the podcast, we use the books to try, to try to encourage people to lead properly, lead right.
1: Well, I think that's an excellent segue into this discussion. You know, we have a lot going on in the country. And a lot of talk about leadership and what makes a good leader and how good leaders can change the culture of those they're leading. They can they can right the ship, if you will. With you, though, and and with this book, what was it that inspired that? What was it that put you on the path of speaking specifically to building better leaders?
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, I came out of um, I came out of the corporate world. I was I I came out of the military and went right into corporate world. And I've worked there for 22 years. And um, one of the things I saw was pretty bad leadership in these big companies you know people that got promoted that never you know led anyone in their life right never did anything like we did in the military right and so you know i realized after that 20 plus years that um that good leaders are hard to find right and i realized also that my background in the military especially on submarines gave me a really interesting perspective and and it really formed the foundation for my leadership and and that's you know, something was really unique to, to my experience. And I've always applied that in my leading in businesses. And I realized that that was something that was really special and unique. And I wanted to try to share it with others. You know, on a submarine, you know this from you're being deployed on a ship, right? You get close with the people that you're deployed with. Well, on a submarine, it's even tighter, right? The spaces are tighter. You spend, in our case, back in the day, we were doing six-hour watches. So we'd stand watches so I was an officer, but um, you'd be standing watch with you have three enlisted guys and an officer in the engine room, for example, and maneuvering, and uh, we spent six hours together every day. Right, so I knew everything about them. They knew everything about me. We had a we built a tight relationship with each other, and so when it came to leading them, I knew how they ticked. Right, I knew what motivated them, what what excited them, what uh, what their passions were. Right, I knew you know some people needed to be led. You know tough love, right? And other people just need an encouragement. So you learn that about each person. And so that's the way I led as a civilian. And you realize that's kind of unique, right? <laughs> people don't lead that way. People don't, you know, they're, they're, you know, most bosses get promoted. They get moved into a management position. What do they do? Well, they go in their office, they shut the door and they do emails all day, or they do what they were good at. Say they were a good engineer and got promoted to engineering manager. Well, they go in their office, they shut the door and they, they still work on their engineering. They don't lead the people. They're managing things and they're not leading the people. And so I I noticed that what I did was pretty unique. My experiences were unique. So I tried to share it with, uh, I started a blog. Yeah, I wrote that for about seven years. And then I just kind of took some of those ideas, and put it in a book and uh, yeah, try to share some of what I learned over the years.
1: No, it's an excellent book. And I'll, I'll have a link below for anybody looking to grab it. But in that, and especially to what you just spoke on, I think that the detachment there is one of the greatest uh, missteps that leaders make. And you might have the best intentions, but when you're promoted, you know maybe your efforts are recognized and you're put into that leadership position. Once you change and you detach from that team you're leading to now focus on being the leader. Yeah. Well, when you're not on the deck plates with the men, there's a there's an incongruency there, and it's just going to widen, you know, day by day, week by week, before you no longer even know your team and you think you're leading them because of the title and the 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 lines under your email. Do you believe that there is a way when we talk about learning leadership that in corporate America or just the culture that you see in business, we're ever going to have a culture that's designed around, you know, connecting with those that are under or a a culture where the leaders are going to be back with the workers? Because it seems like there's such a divide. Will we ever go back to that?
0: (laughs) That's a great question. And and I'm hopeful. I'm an optimist. And I believe that, yes, we're moving. We need to move towards a more people centric version of leadership. And I do think that there's that possibility. But I think people like myself and others need to talk more about it and get that out there. Let me let me go back a little bit. You're a Navy Navy guy, right? So when you watch a commissioning ceremony, when they commission a ship, it's it's a powerful. It's a very emotional, very traditional ceremony. I just. I'm a sucker for all that tradition and, you know, in the pomp and circumstance, the band and all this. But the one thing they say is um, they always have a ship sponsor. And I was watching the uh, Gerald Ford get commissioned. And um, the, uh, Gerald Ford, the president's daughter, actually was a sponsor of the ship. And one of the things she says before they man the ship, they say um, she, she announces, man our ship and bring her to life. And then the bells ring and the band plays. And what happens? the sailors run from from the dock up the gangplank, right? The officers and sailors, they man the rails. You know, there's all this pomp and circumstance and it's really exciting. And then they report back, the captain reports back, the ship is manned and ready for the fleet, right? Well, think about that. That is a great analogy for our businesses. Our businesses are nothing, right? In, In my case, I run a manufacturing plant, but this is just a building, right? It's without the people, we don't have a business. Without the people, we don't, without the crew, you know, a ship is just a cold hunk of steel sitting in the harbor. It takes a crew to bring a ship to life. You know that you're a Navy guy, right? Same thing with our companies. It takes people to bring our, our companies to life. And I, you know, I think we need to get that message across to more and more people. Leaders, when you get promoted into a leadership position, and that's why I wrote the book called I Have the Watch. It's like you have the watch now. You're responsible for this group of people, not just the mission, but the people that are working to achieve the mission. And that's that's my message, and, and again, it's, it comes from my my background in the military. You know, without people, we have nothing. Our plans are nothing. And if you think about most MBA programs, and you know, I've got an MBA, and and, and I went to business school, but you know, we learn about accounting, we marketing and sales, and we learn about um, you know, you know, PNL statements and balance sheets and things like that. You know what they don't teach? They don't teach anything about people and managing people and leading people. You know, so we. You know, I'm hopeful that we are going to start bringing more people messages into those business schools where people, you know, when we recognize that if you're going to be an effective leader, you need to have to learn learn how to manage people, you know, manage them well.
1: It's really interesting you bring that aspect up. I've explained it many times, you know, when you have a tribe, when you have a group. You know, for myself, I was on an aircraft carrier. So, mm. almost literally the opposite of you. Right, right. <laughs> I was you above space. water and there was a <laughs> lot of space. You know, there were like 6,000 of us at full capacity with the 60 jets and everything else we had going on. So, that was hustle and bustle, you know, capable of more firepower than most countries. Yet, if you take the people off it, it's just a floating can. It is nothing. Yeah, nothing. You know, you need the people. In your observation, mm-hmm. When you see people going through MBAs, when you see them going through this, do the professors do they ever speak to this? Even if it's not in the curriculum, because empathy is a part of leadership and it's often overlooked. And it's it I can't I didn't go to uh, my degree is in sports and health science, so it's around the body, you right. know. But I've been in a leadership position, you know, uh, throughout my military career. Yeah. You know, I was uh, the the assistant leader, leading petty officer for all of A gang, the leading petty officer for my shop. You know, and then I worked my way up to lead instructor when I went to shore duty. So I was in these positions where I was the guy, you know, leading the way, making sure we were good. I had that experience. I brought that to college. For somebody that goes from high school to an MBA program, though, where in there, you know, and it's my hope that it's college professors, but where in there are yeah. they going to be exposed to this? You know, who's teaching them how to work as a team? If 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 anyone.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. One of the things I do, one of my, you know projects or things I do is I do a lot of speaking at colleges. I actually speak to a lot of master's programs. And so fortunately, there's enough professors out there that recognize that they want to hear from someone like me who's got some real world experience. And so I actually two weeks from now, be at Duke University again, I teach in their master's program. So I go every semester and I teach the next cohort of students. And I try to bring exactly that. So real world examples of what it's like, you know, in the in the trenches uh, in leadership. And it's interesting. I was teaching at the University of South Carolina oh, probably four years ago now, and um, I had some students come up to me afterwards. This is great. This is a great lecture. You're the first person we've we've heard of, you know, telling us real stories from from real world experiences. And I share stories from what it's like, you know, leading people. I, I've led nine different manufacturing plants in my career, this being the ninth. So um, and I said to them, I said, you know, what what other leadership courses have you taken so far? You know, are you, are you, and, he, and, and this was kind of amazing, was it, at, at least at the University of South Carolina, they said, this is the first time we've heard from anyone in the real world. And the first time we've heard about leadership and talking about leadership. So I think it depends on the professor. It depends on the program. But I'm really glad that there's a few professors out there that recognize the need to have someone like me come in there and just tell war stories about, you know, what it's like to really, you know, be in the trenches with with others and, and try to accomplish tough things uh, in the business world.
1: Well, there's definitely a difference between learning leadership in a book and being in a position of leadership out in the real world. Yeah. You know, the book says this is supposed to operate, you know, ABC. You go out in the real world, so there's there's family behind oh, yeah. that individual. Yeah. There's, there's one-on-ones, like you said, they're as unique as their fingerprint, yeah. you know? So when you say, when there are different leadership styles, how do you, let's say I'm dropping you with a new team. And let's say there's someone listening now about to take on that leadership role. Mm. How do you start that process of getting to know your team and maybe changing that culture from the previous guy's, uh, the precedent he set as to where doors closed, don't talk to me?
0: Yeah. So the first thing I do whenever I take over an operation is I have one-on-one meetings with everyone. And it's funny, I have three questions. What's working? What's not working? And if you were in my shoes, what would you do first? Now, the, the, the so I'm, this is like cheat code for leadership, right? You ask those three questions and you have a notebook and you take really good notes. And what you find after you met with all as many employees as you can, and I try to meet with everyone, I have this long, everything kind of coalesces around two or three topics. And then what you do is you do one or two of those things that are on the list. And then they they instantly say, well, this is a different kind of leader. He listens. He asks us questions. He listens to our answers and he implements um our suggestions. And it's funny because the best answers, right, reside in the people that work for us, right? It's not, you don't need to hire a consultant, right? Just ask the people who are actually on the shop floor or at the call center or wherever your workplace is, ask them, you know, what's working, what's not working. You'd be surprised at how many of the people say the same thing over and over again. You're like, oh, okay, so these three things are working, these three things aren't working. I'll work on that list. Real simple. And, um, yeah, you, know, you know, it's funny, when I started as a leader, I thought I had to have all the answers. And what I've learned is you just have to have good questions. The answers are already right there in your team.
1: That's a really good flip there. You know, I, that's, that's actually what I was going to bring up next is these guys come in and they want to make a name for themselves. They want to show they've got what it takes. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, right, we're, this is what we're doing and here's my plan and let's go. And they, they become so hyper-focused on that end objective that they forget without your team you know, your supply chain, you're not going to make it that far. You know, you've right. got to work with them on the way there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in the process of any change, right? You have to do, you have to do the work every day, right? You know, say you're going to lose 20 pounds, right? Well, it, it's great to have a goal, right? Say, so you come into a business, you got to, you got to double your profit, right? Well, it's great to have a goal. The only way you're going to get there is through the hard work every day, right? And doing the hard work every day, and then the results will come. Don't focus on necessarily the results, but focus on what it's going to take. And I think. A lot of these, a lot of bosses come in who try to make a name for themselves. Right? They're like a bull in the china shop. They're like, we got a double profit. We got a double profit. Get over, and that's all you hear from them. And then they make stupid decisions trying to chase that, trying to get a quick result for something, you know, so they can get a promotion or what have you. But no, the there is no magic button in in business. There's just like there's no magic button in our lives. It's hard work. It's it's focus. It's discipline. And um, those are the things that make. A successful business. Those—that's what makes a successful leader. It's—it's it's hard work, discipline, and listening to your people.
1: You know, people want to hear the exact opposite, though. You know, I know. They, I know. they want they are so desperate. Every guest I have on to talk leadership, they want to hear is something different than that. But yeah. it's always repeated. It's always hammered home. And I'm glad you said it in that order too, because at the end of the day, you have to work for it. But we're yeah. we're talking about ways leaders can better lead. Have especially in the military. You know, there are a lot of people competing for slots. So when you found yourself getting that spot as the the uh, missile control officer, and again, correct me if I'm not giving the title properly, but the you're the guy you know yeah. That, that, yeah. that launches, there's probably other officers trying to get that spot. What do you do? Or did you ever find yourself in a position where you were promoted the head of somebody who thought they were going to get the promotion and then you had to now work or that person had to work for you? Were you ever in that spot where there is sort of a battle or conflict for you having your title?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Not so much in the military, but definitely happened in the, in in when I was in corporate America. I remember uh, I work I worked in uh, I was first hired as an engineer, design engineer. That's my background is mechanical engineering. I was hired as a design engineer for a big company, and um, we had our first team meeting. And and um, one of the guys next to me, he just whispered to me. He says, "You know what?" He says, "You got to kiss everyone's ass around here because you never know who's who you're going to work for someday." It just kind of a funny thing stuck in my head. Well, later on, I was promoted to engineering manager, and that guy worked for me. And he, and he said to me, he said, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's like, I was right.
0: <laughs> I was right. I told you. But yeah, you know, those, those situations happen all the time. And I remember one time I got, um, I, I missed a promotion. Uh, there was an opportunity for a production manager. This is when I was, uh, you know, starting off as an engineer. There was an opportunity for a production manager. And I, I had the pedigree. I had the, the military experience. I expected that I would get the promotion, but the person that got the job was like friends with the general manager and and she got the job. I didn't get the job. And I remember not being happy during that circumstance and I felt kind of like slighted. And and that happens all the time in business where people get promoted for various reasons, what have you. But, you know, the other thing I said is, I put put it aside and I said, you know what, that person, I'm just going to support them and help them be successful and I'm going to do my job uh, and do it well. And I think we can we can always look to someone else. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how how in shape you are or whatever the issue is, there's always gonna be someone that's gonna be a little bit better than you. Right. And you can look up, you can kind of envy those people. And I've just said, you know what? There's a point where you just have to focus on yourself and you got to focus on doing your job really well and and don't get, you know, don't get too drawn into chasing after somebody who's got something that you wish you had. And and that's a dangerous place to be. So I think, um, you yeah, know, of, one of the things I've learned is just focus on myself, focus on my job, focus on what I can do.
1: Well, you're focusing on yourself, but also by not letting it negatively impact you, you're focusing on the bigger mission. You know, you're, you're yeah. cool. They got the spot. I'm going to continue working, though. I'm not going to shut down or sabotage. Do you believe that comes from your military training? Is mission yeah. first?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, one of the things I'm writing about in the new book is that um, there's a very unique situation on board a submarine, and that is... Any person on that boat could make a mistake and kill everybody on that boat, right so we had you know twenty four nuclear missiles we had a nuclear reactor, and we had like eighteen to twenty year olds running it right so a lot of things could go wrong so and um but you know we had to work to get qualified right so you got your dolphin right in our case, it was the submarine dolphin to get qualified and but once you had that dolphin every you had like the respect you had mutual respect within the within the the boat. And we knew, uh, you know, we knew you had our back and we had your back, right? And so we were in it together. Think about this. <clears throat> in a lot of corporations, the enemy seems like it's inside the four walls, right? It's, uh, oh, marketing did this or engineering did this or, you know, it's always some department did something, right, that affects us and we get emotional about it, right? When it came to the boat, you know, the enemy was outside the hull, right? And and it not just in my case, you know, Cold War or Soviets, right? The Soviets were out there. But also there was thousands of pounds of seawater that just wanted to crush us like a tin can and put us in the bottom of the ocean, right? So we had to we had to work together as a team and we were all important. Every person on that boat was important. Every sailor, didn't matter if you were a seaman, you know, on crank duty or you were the captain, everybody had a responsibility on that ship and we were all important. There was nobody that wasn't important. I guess I had that mindset when I came into business that everyone on this team is important to the mission, Right whether you're a call center employee, whether you're a QA technician, whether you're a production worker, whether you're working in, uh, you know, as a buyer in in purchasing, without you, we can't accomplish the mission. So I think that's, that mindset has always been with me. And yes, it definitely came from my days on the boat.
1: Now looking at that, you know, so my father was a, a nuclear machinist mate. So he was a nuke on submarines. Uh, His final duty station was the USS Nautilus, which was the first nuclear-powered submarine. so awesome. Yeah, as a kid. That's OG right there. Yeah, no, as a kid, (laughs) I could tell you, I I knew more about that submarine than I knew about cars growing up because he was always there at the museum and I was always running around (laughs) checking stuff out with my brother and sister. So it was cool. But one of the things, and I kind of want to get your take on this, is the quarters. I saw how close the quarters were. You know, I went on the USS Grot and the Corpus Christi. I got to go in and check it out with my dad. And you guys are close, close, close. Yeah. And then when I, to relate that, you know, you're together for months, but a small business, when you start a small business, it might be five people and Mm. you're close and you're close and you're close. You're a, the CEO of your company and you're growing. How are you striving or how are you making it work that you maintain that close bond Mm. while more people and more people and more people are added into this mix? It just seems like the product will be diluted. You know, the culture will, yeah. You'll yeah. be separated. How do you maintain that?
0: Yeah. So it's really important, especially in startups, that the founder the founders have a really strong influence on the organization going forward. Otherwise you, you get diluted to your point. So one thing is I do one thing I do is really important is that we have a morning stand-up meeting in the factory, all employees. And we just look at the day. So we you know, we talk about what we're gonna get done that day, what 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 jobs are coming in? Um, and what's interesting about that morning meeting, it is a really good touch point to make sure first of all, everybody's there, right? And for me, I get to look at everybody's eyes, right? I, okay, what what the, are they are they on fire today? Are they look, do they look like they're not, you know, they're 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 depressed, or I get a chance to take a look at my entire team and see how they're doing, right? And um, so we talk about the work of the day, then we open it up for every employee, anything going on that we need to know about that could affect the mission today, right? Late parts coming in, you know, deliveries, uh, trucks that are coming in, we, we, we all kind of get on the same page. And um, the other thing I do is I reinforce what our mission is as a company. So in that time, so anytime there's some sort of story about a customer or something comes up, I relate it back to what our mission is. And um, and so for in our case, it's we want to be a different kind of supplier, and, and we say that we're different from the rest of the industry, and that means we, we make things easy, we ship quick, a lot of things we do, but everybody knows what that means to be different. And so I'll ask the question those morning meetings, well, what would you know what is our mission and what should we do be doing consistent to that mission? And so it reinforces that those values. So that, those morning meetings are key to, to get a chance to look at, our, at look at our employees in the eye, make sure everybody's there, they're present and then reinforce the values that we believe in the company. But the other thing is, is that if I do see someone that looks off, that's that private conversation over there. Hey, you okay? You know, what's going on? And that's such a simple thing to do uh, as leaders. But again, a lot of managers come in, they shut their door and they work on emails all day where they get on a conference call and they don't have that personal interaction with everyone. I would say the other thing we do, the second thing we do is we all work on the shop floor. So we get really busy, there's no people in the office. We all just go out on the shop floor and we work together. And I work together as well. I drive a forklift. I, uh, you know, I pack I pack product on the back ends of the line. I do whatever it takes. But those times when I'm working with the employees, it's so powerful because I find it. It's just like back on the on the boat. We're standing watch together. We're at, we're talking about life. We're talking about you know, whatever, the election or right? just whatever issue comes up and, and their kids. And and so we have that deep bond and there's, the, there's a trust being built. It's not an us and them atmosphere. It's us working as a team towards the mission.
1: Well, it's an, an excellent answer. And it truly highlights the fact that you have to embody this. You can't just say our values are camaraderie and brotherhood and, and yeah. teamwork and production, but then you close your door. You don't speak to each other. You never see each other outside of the office. So yeah. it's, you, you do have to live it out. And I will say to the, to your point on deck plate leadership, when you were talking about driving the forklift, I will never forget. So I was enlisted. Yeah. I'll never forget. It was uh, myself, another E4 and then one of our E3s. And we had to repaint a pump room, but we could only do it during certain hours because of the fumes and we had to tag things off, whatever. So it was a, it was midnight ops. (laughs) So from like midnight to four in the morning, we're sitting there, we're trying to paint all these things purple and get the right grays. And out of nowhere, our chief shows up. And he shows up in the big white, you know, jumpsuit, whatever. Yeah. We're like, what are you doing, Chief? He's like, oh, I'm gonna help you guys get this done. We're like, no, 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 we got this. Go to bed. You yeah, know, you yeah. like, you gotta leave the next day. Nope. He stayed down there. He painted the whole thing with us. Bought us coffee, you know, from the vestex and then we went and did our thing. And it was like, wow, like that dude, he could have been asleep. He knew we were gonna get it done. He wasn't micromanaging. He came yeah. down. He was shooting the shit with us. You know, we were just having a good time, and it was cool to see a leader working. It's like he never yeah. lost his roots of being a machinist mate. What that meant. Right. And right. it was it was powerful. And I think, you know, this this somewhat highlights uh, in the book you talk about the simple act of appreciation. Mm. Could you touch on that because I think that also highlights embodying, you know, the the values that you have as a company.
0: Yeah, so you know, it's easy. We're busy, right? As leaders, managers, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I got I got more things to do. I know what to do with, right? So so we're busy. But you know, like, I, I think a story to tell in the book is I was, uh, you know, walking the shop floor and one of the things I noticed was our lead engineer, the guy who developed and designed all of our products. He was uh, out there running a drill press and he's, he's drilling holes and that's not normally what he does. And so I could have just walked by, I was busy, but I took the time to stop and say, hey, Rodolfo, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm, I figured I could modify these parts and we can still use them instead of scrapping them. And he showed me what, he's, what he was doing. But, you know, it's just that 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 chance to sit down and just thank him. It's like, wow, that's really amazing, man. I really appreciate what you do. I mean, you know, you didn't have to do that. It's like, oh, no, it's no big deal. I don't mind doing it. But that personal connection is just like, you know, your chief, um, you know, working with you throughout the night. It's having that personal connection. And so many times people do things and they feel like they don't, they don't get recognized. They don't, nobody notices me. You know, I do the extra work. Nobody notices me. I think it's, it's part of our job as leaders is to notice when people are doing things right, not just when they're doing things wrong. Some bosses only notice when things are wrong, right? My wife worked at a school. My wife's a school teacher. She worked at a school once where the uh, assistant principal would stand at the front door with a, with a clipboard every morning and just uh, to make sure everybody came in. She didn't say hello. She didn't say good morning. She just was checking to see when you came in every day. And come on, you know, sounds
1: like a lovely, lovely person. <laughs> <Exactly>.
0: <laughs> come on the warden. Yeah. Take time to recognize your people and, and reward successes and, and um, thank them, you know, for doing the extra efforts. I've always believed that's kind of an important thing to do. Reinforce, reinforce the good behaviors when you see it.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, you could definitely bring a lot of these values and qualities we're speaking of on leadership to parenting. You know, oh. you hear that a lot with parenting. It's yeah. the same, you know, it's not to say that your employees or your children but you're looking out for them just like you would a kid. You don't always tell your kid, you know, shame on you. You did this wrong. You, sometimes yeah. you say, I'm proud of you or thank you or I appreciate you doing that thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. So that yeah. definitely hear you on that one. Especially, but that when, also, they,
0: especially when they don't, um, when they're not expecting it, you know, oh, just yeah. having that reinforcement. You're just like, oh, wow, dad, dad noticed something. Yeah, that's really cool. You know?
1: so. Yeah. And that sense of pride. It's a good thing. And you want that in your employees because guess what? They'll choose to do the right thing next time, even when no one's looking just in case someone is looking.
0: (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Yeah.
1: I I do believe, though, that also highlights an issue, and you do bring it up in the book. We live in a world of technology. We live in a world where leaders are sending emails or maybe even hitting you up on Facebook, but they're not going to go sit and have a meal with you, or they're not going to speak to you face-to-face. Could you talk about the importance of face-to-face leadership and communication?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, so much is lost in, in written communication. That's why everybody's yelling at each other on Twitter, right? So there's so much is lost in, 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 in emails. And so even, you know, even when COVID first struck, one of the things I kept talking about is like, if you can't be with your people, get on, get on Zoom, talk, you know, get them, let them, you got to see their faces, right? You can't, you can't miss out on that. So I think As leaders, one thing I learned is one thing I've learned over the years is that you have to repeat a message at least five different times and in five different ways. So don't think that if you send an email dictating the way X is going to be, you know, going forward, don't expect that it's going to take take hold, right? You got to reinforce it. And the best way to reinforce it is is face to face and having discussions, having meetings. I I mean, I've run nine different manufacturing plants, as I mentioned. And every one of those plants, I always have a monthly all-employee meeting. Every month with all my employees. And in some cases I was leading up to 600 people. It's big, you know, big rooms, lots of discussion, lots of questions, but I think it's really important that leaders stand in front of their people and tell them how things are going. Right. Don't be a stranger. Right. Have you ever seen uh, that show? Uh, it was an undercover boss. I don't know. It was like kind of yes. popular a few yep, years yep. back. And, and it was this thing where, you know, a boss would, you know, go incognito in work in like the lowest uh, position in the company. And then they learn all these crazy things because they, they're they never down there, right? So one of the things that I, I like to do, I call it, I did this even before I owned my own company. When I was in corporate America. I used to call it Fridays on the Floor. And then the first Friday of every month, all the managers, we went on the shop floor and we worked for four hours in the morning. And then we'd come back and we talk about what did we learn, what, what's wrong, what's what needs to be done. And it was just that point of, of connecting the managers and the people and working together and having those discussions and 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 being face to face. I think that's really important.
1: There are also, you know, intangible moments there that you're not going to get through text. You know, even yeah, in this conversation, yeah. you know, there's an organic nature of flow. And I remember I, as soon as you were saying that, we recently had a, a video discussion inside FOE, and you were talking about your business. And one of the other guys who didn't even know you were running that type of business is like, oh. I'm looking to get into this. What do you, had he not shown up, he never would have known that you were doing that. And now he's like, oh, I've got someone, I can pick your brain. I can maybe accelerate his learning curve Mm -hmm. all because he showed up and face-to-face the conversation was had. You you, You can't miss those moments and you can't force those moments to occur. They're only there when you're present and in the moment.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah.
1: Now, one of the other things you bring up is, and I think this is incredibly important and I'm fortunate to have had great leaders who invested in my development as you're going through, it's not just about you, you know, John, you're a good leader, but it's not just about John, the leader. You've got to be able to find the other leaders under you. Yeah. How can people who are coming up best recognize what traits do you look for when you're looking for the next guy to promote or bring up in the team that you can recognize, you know, what really stands out to you?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things I like to, to look for is people that are volunteering people that are, that are, you know, because I mean, every time I've been in leadership positions, there's always there's always something that comes up. We need volunteers, There's an employee survey, or something. There's something that needs to get done, and then you notice there's a certain individuals that are always volunteering for things, or wanting to learn something, or they're doing their homework before they come to see you, or they, you know, they you can tell their I call it their lights are on, right? They're, they're you can tell they're engaged, they're really interested, and they're doing uh, they're doing the extra work, right? So one of the things I like to do and I've done over the years is I like to give those people special assignments. I'll, 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 you know, cause I think the best way to gain experience is by actually doing it right. Learning how to do something. So I always try to find those people and give the, give them a challenging assignment just to see how they do something that's maybe outside their comfort zone, outside of their current roles and responsibility and to see if they can, um, you know, rise to the occasion. Right. And they can really deliver and, uh, yeah, I would say it's probably fifty-fifty that that fifty will hit it out of the park, and then they're they're on to the next thing, and I'm giving them more responsibility, and I'm and I'm kind of bringing them underneath my wing, and they're you know kind of doing some mentoring. But then fifty percent of the time, you you find people just they can't rise to the occasion. You know they you give them an opportunity and you find that eh, they're not quite into it. So, but those, those little uh, um, stretch assignments, I, I call them are really good. Just a little trial period just to see, okay, well, this guy or gal looks really good doing some good things. I'm going to give them, give him an extra project. Let's see how it goes. And, and I love, I love doing that just to kind of see what happens.
1: Now, what would you say to the employee, if you will, who's getting the extra tasks and they're completing them, they're crushing them, you know, they're, they're really setting the standard and answering the call, if you will but they're not getting any sort of promotion, any sort of recognition, anything following through. They're kind of just becoming the pack mule. What, yeah. In a situation like that, what should the employee, you don't want to complain, right?
0: But yeah. What should yeah. they do
1: in that kind of position?
0: Yeah. Well, I think I spent most of my career as the pack mule. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. We, uh, It's a bad thing that we do in, in business and, and we probably do in all organizations is that we give, our, they give the toughest assignments to the people that get things done, right? So we tend to go to the same people all the time. So I think, you know, we as employees have to speak up when we're, you know, we're concerned. A lot of cases, for I'll give you an example. As I as I'm a boss, right? Sometimes I'll I'll do that. I I, I recognize my mules and I'll I'll pack them because they do they do good work. Uh and sometimes I I need to hear like, hey, you know, why are you giving me all these assignments? Sometimes I, I need that feedback, a little pushback. Right. So I think it's okay to be vocal with uh with bosses as well you know hey i've been doing a lot of extra around lately haven't really seen much is there you know is there a possibility for promotion or am i just doing extra work i mean it's okay to have those conversations especially if you have a good boss that's willing to listen but um yeah i i need that pushback i remember i had an employee said to me you you know we get a lot of things done here but you when you never rest you never take that breather like, and celebrate our successes. It's always like on to the next goal, onto the next target. And I recognized that was part of my personality when I was an early leader is I was like, oh yeah, maybe I need to slow down a little bit, you know, rest at a plateau, get to the next one. But it was that feedback from the employee that rec- you know, maybe recognized I was probably doing something wrong. So
1: It's funny being on the other end, you know, like you being the mule, there were times where you get mad at yourself for being good at what you do, but you can't help yourself. And yeah, you know, I remember yeah. Jackie, she'd be like, all the other instructors are off. Why Why are you working this whole weekend or or why yeah. are you getting this extra task or why are you staying on the boat and, or the ship? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just volunteered for this. I can't help it. Like <laughs> it needed to get done. I wanted to do it. And I'll never forget, you know, we were prepping for uh, a deployment and for some reason, like all the fire pumps just broke yeah. and we can't get underway without uh, whatever percentage it was. Like, I don't recall what it was, but basically... I, I was like, I'll be that guy. And this is literally the weekend before deployment. Yeah. And like fr- all of Friday and all of Saturday, I worked through and through to get these things up and running. There were, there were four centrifugal fire pumps. If I could get them fixed, we could go. Yeah. So I'm going, my chief's like, oh, we'll send guys. I'm like, no, I got it. I yeah. powered through. I did the whole thing. My wife is there. <laughs> all of her friends and their husbands are there all hanging out, having their their pre-deployment parties and stuff. And I'm still in the ship turning wrenches. And I remember coming off, the day before. So I hadn't slept in like 70 something hours. I'm like going blind. I'm starting to see things, you know, I'm seeing the wizard and I'm finally home. And all I want to do is sleep so I could deploy the next day. And she was so mad. And in that moment, I realized, you know, you have to find that balance. And I was like, I just, I didn't have that switch, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting place to be where you do get more work, but I think some people are just wired that way. And I guess that brings up the question, I'll throw it your way. Are leaders made? or are leaders born?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I I think there's something that comes from birth, but I also think that, um, you know, I would say this, if you want to be a great leader, you need to practice leadership. It's it's that simple. I mean, being a great leader doesn't come. I wasn't a a particularly good leader in the military. I got better over time. Uh, I had a temper. Uh, I was I was an angry boss, <laughs> so in the early days, um, you know, because I, you know it was a high stress environment, and I, you know, zero tolerance for failure, right? So I was quick to to chew somebody out when um, you know when things weren't going the way I expected. When I was a plant manager, early plant manager, thirty two years old, I was, I was, I, I thought it. You can do anything right now. You can do anything tomorrow, right? I, I just had zero uh re- i had i had i had no feeling of reality for how long it takes to actually get you know to move a warship right <laughs> so i i assumed that you could just stop and turn on a dime so you know but i think i learned how to get better over time by practicing leadership by being in a leadership role so yeah i think you're born with certain qualities right but i think you you they improve over time just like anything else the more you practice it the better you get at it
1: it, it makes me think of uh, I believe it was We Were Soldiers, where it's uh, I believe it's was a Vietnam flick, Mel Gibson. Yeah, and there, there yeah. were he had these two platoon leaders, and one was super Type A, yelling at the guys, driving them through, mm. "Let's get it!" And the other guy was much more quiet, much more reserved. He was the guy checking the guys' feet, making sure they yeah, were good, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it, you could see the parallel. And it's not that one's better than the other; they're just different types of leaders. Yeah. And I I agree with you. You know, I think ultimately the best type of leader is the one who works for his people and gives that individual approach to each. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll find people who are more introverted or they're, Mm. they're afraid to speak up in a group who might have the best message. Oh yeah. So as a leader, how do you get that voice out or or how do you recognize those voices? Because they're not speaking up for themselves.
0: So you just hit on one of my, my most important axioms in, in leadership. And that is always listen to the quietest person in the room. That's one thing I've learned over the years is that when you're in a brainstorming session or, you know, there's certain guys just they think why they're talking oh let's do this let's do this let's do this there's always one in the corner who's just quiet and as as a boss over the years I've noticed that those people have like they're thinking while other people are talking and then when they finally open their mouths I'm you know I'm always like hush through them like Jim, what do you think and it's almost always like this crazy idea that nobody had considered that that changes the whole, thought process. So I think one if you know one thing I'll leave you with with you know as is, is if you're on this uh if you're listening in you're a leader and you want to be a better leader it's always listen to that quietest person in the room because sometimes there's amazing ideas the introverts are sometimes thinking in their head and they're not voicing their opinion you got to make sure to to point them out and ask them their opinion because they usually have like the You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times it's happened where that person is like changed the direction of our business. I'm like, you know, and you look at him like, Jim, where did that come from?
1: (laughs) They shocked themselves. It's funny though. They would never put them, they would never say I'm a leader, but in that moment, it's you are the leader. And I think that also highlights when a leader understands it's time to be a follower,
0: you know, it's time
1: to listen to your team and follow the team. That's, it's interesting how that plays out, huh?
0: Oh, hundred percent. I, I, all the time, I can't tell me how many times I, I have um, shifted directions based on a recommendation from an employee who saw something I didn't, I didn't see. Yeah.
1: Well, it's good also to take that feedback because again, when you start getting that hard mode or the hard headed mode, of we're going this way. Sometimes that is the best leadership. You're just going to plow. We will oh, get this. Yeah, we will achieve yeah, this. Yeah. But there's also times to evolve and, and to be a little more fluid. And I think sometimes we get so focused on that rigid, I will commit to this task that you don't, there's there's no need to have those hard borders. You know, yeah, and it, it's yeah. a good ebb and flow.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So John, this has been an awesome talk. Yeah. If people want to reach out, they want to pick your brain, they want to check out your podcast or they want to grab the book. What is the best way for them to reach you?
0: Yeah, my website, johnsrenny.com and everything's there. My links to social, I'm pretty active on Twitter, um, and then uh, you know, there's links to the podcast. The podcast is called Deep Leadership, and um, yeah, we have guests. So we run a weekly leadership, and uh, most of the time it's guests, uh, entrepreneurs, leaders, and we pick their brain what uh, what works, what doesn't work, uh, what can we learn from their past experience. So we have we have military leaders, we have business leaders, we have entrepreneurs. It's uh, it's a fun time. I, and to be honest usually i'm taking notes and uh, i usually fill a couple of pages uh, of notes myself and i'm learning as i'm listening so it's uh, kind of my personal classroom and you get to listen in so
1: now that's excellent i will have links to all of that below if you're listening check out the description of this episode you'll be able to get um, all of john's uh, content you know and resources that are out there i look forward to that next book big time looking yeah. forward to having you back on to talk about that all right for everybody that's been listening You know, If you want to dive deeper into leadership or improving yourself as a leader or working your way to becoming a leader, take notes, apply the actions listed here, grab your copy of I Have the Watch, the link is below, or head to all of John's resources. Again, links are below. But to become a better leader, you've got to be a man of action or woman of action. You've got to be a person of action. You've got to go out and you've got to do the things. You can't just read the books. You can't just listen to the podcast. You have to go, you have to test, you have to put it out there, and then you have to evolve and adapt to the responses you get. So don't just listen to this podcast, go out and apply to be a great leader. John, thank you for your time. Thank you, Zach. All right, to everybody that tuned in, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha podcast.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at
0: Zach Small underscore.